Hello, and welcome to another episode of Deep Impact, where we talk about media that we find personally and culturally impactful. Uh, our first run has been on the Final Fantasy VII <laughs> multiverse, <laughs> and today we are here to talk about... Uh, the Purge of Derberis. I am Link, and I'm here with my best my best bro. Uh, I am Nate, and I ain't no goddamn son of a bitch. Um, I am a vampire. Okay. And you know what? <laughs> Vincent Valentine, star of Gurge of Bergeris, uh, he is also not a vampire, as it turns out. Oh, what a turn of events. I know, we'll get into it. Lots of saucy stuff to discuss in today's episode of Deep Impact. Uh, I say we get right into it. I just recently, like a week ago, more, uh, finished replaying uh, Final Fantasy VII spinoff game, Dirge of Cerberus, colon, no, yeah, Final you, Fantasy VII. <laughs> yes, you have to say in the right order. <laughs> <laughs> uh scourge of oh god um geez the name anyways so this game uh this is a a ps2 game yes it came out on ps2 circa like 2006 i think 2007 2006 2006 all right nailed it and uh this came out obviously after final fantasy 7 and after the children nope advent what? children advent i'm like children of <laughs> children of fantasy men that's yep. not the right name uh <laughs> advent children so this is after those two yeah so this is in a continuation with the uh the the multimedia push that Square Enix was doing called the compilation of Final Fantasy VII, where they were trying to capitalize on the uh, uh, on the love for the original Final Fantasy VII while trying to bring it into the PS2 era. I just knocked my headphones, my other headphones off my computer. <laughs> anyway, um, so they, they kicked off this thing uh, with the movie sequel to Final Fantasy VII, uh, Advent Children, and then Dirge of Cerberus is another spinoff that is not a direct sequel in the sense that the plot has anything to do really with either Final Fantasy VII or the movie Advent Children. Mm-hmm. Uh it totally could have been its own game with different characters. Yeah. Uh, so it is a it is a continuation in the sense that it it pretty much picks up in the exactly where Advent Children ended, uh, time frame wise. You know, chronologically is a sequel, but the the plot of this game is totally disconnected from everything that came before it. Uh, yeah. So in in Final Fantasy VII, Vincent was a character that you could have in your party, but he was like a sort of side hidden character where you didn't need to get him, right? Correct. So in the original, the PS1 Final Fantasy VII, uh, he was intended to be in, you know, he was 
always intended to be in the game, mm -hmm. but it was one of those things where narratively he was not the most important character and they were running on a budget near the end. So they decided to just put what they had done for him in the game and lock it behind like a, a puzzle side quest. So you could still get him in there. Uh, and he, he was a fully functional party member, but they just didn't have time to flesh out his uh, narrative, his story in the game. So he doesn't really do much once you get him besides like he pops into a conversation every once in a while to offer his point of view on the topic at hand. But he doesn't really have much of his own story going for him within the narrative. Uh, and that is actually what Dirge of Cerberus was intended to expand on. You know, it was... Well, all right, this character got sidelined when we originally planned him. And uh, Tetsuya Nomura, the character designer for the original game and the overall director for the Final Fantasy VII series, really. Uh, he's just kind of the creative director of everything. It, Vincent was like a... Yeah, it was a character that he really liked that he wanted to include it and get to. And so that's why uh, it, it, basically what I'm saying is that Dirge of Cerberus is Tetsuya Nomura's Final Fantasy VII fanfic game. You know, I wasn't necessarily going to say that, but <laughs> it does. It feels that way. It feel. I mean, just from the like Vincent being like a hot topic cool guy it feels like devil may cry honestly it feels very much like it's like this is devil may cry but it's final fantasy's devil may cry yeah, i don't i don't uh, know if that really fits together you know devil may cry doesn't quite fit in my opinion just because that series is very has always been very tongue-in-cheek about its attitude but uh yeah no i do agree with you in in regards to dirge of cerberus um, so Tetsuya Nomura, when he got to make this game, he was fresh, hot off that Kingdom Hearts money. Mm. He was like rolling in dough and acclaim from the high ups at Square Enix because they're like, holy shit, he got us in with Disney. <laughs> <clears throat> and they're like, oh, yeah, let him do whatever. If he wants to make you know, his weird little passion project game for his vampire OC you know, that's on him. Yeah, let him do it. I'm sure it'll be great. Uh, it was not great. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it's very, very early 2000s uh, hot topic scene. Mm -hmm. uh, lots of belts, lots of, lots of like frayed or uh, ripped capes or like uh long coats that's always been a favorite of him uh in his character design these long flowing ripped up capes uh lots of belts i think i already said pouches <laughs> uh tetsuya no more is basically uh, uh who's that comic book artist that from the 90s that did all the pouches i can't remember his name right now no idea uh, mark layfield people okay. will know who i'm talking about uh yeah and to his credit, 17-year-old me was all about that. Yeah. Like, yeah, he 
he had me hooked at the time. I was pumped for that game, reading about it in Game Informer before it came out. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, yeah, this looks awesome. It's Kingdom Hearts graphics, but like Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> All steam ahead. Uh, and then the product we got was like subpar. Uh, which is really disappointing. And I think this actually might have been the first time where I was, I can remember being legitimately disappointed by media that I was excited for. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, maybe the fact that I made it to 17 uh, speaks to a sheltered upbringing. <laughs> that's that's kind of true. Uh, yeah, so you were like, what, right? At the end of high school and the game comes out and you pick it up and how how far into it do you do you remember i got okay so my experience the first time i tried to play it in high school on ps2 uh i did not finish the game and it wasn't because i like hated it at the time you know uh i was actually quite enjoying it because it was it was scratching that Final Fantasy VII itch for me. Uh, but I I got maybe about 90% of the way through the game. I got to the penultimate boss fight, and there was a defect of some kind on my disc, and the game would freeze every time I got to a certain stage of this boss fight, and so I never finished it past that point uh but Oops. then again i never tried to replay it more than that first time so until now yeah until now uh so i got 90 percent through the game it glitched out and was unplayable and i said yeah you know what i've had enough of it <laughs> and that was me at 18 so that should really give you an idea of of my overall opinion of this game yeah you know uh i want i want to get into the plot a little bit uh because i think surprisingly that that is the strongest part of this game oof i know all Uh, right give us give us the uh the rundown what happens tell us the story the plot of dirge of cerberus colon final fantasy 7 of the Final Fantasy VII compilation universe. Uh, is, it takes place, I think, a year after the end of Advent Children, and it's focused on Vincent Valentine, who is our uh, not-a-vampire, goth, uh, emo, pretty boy uh, from the first game. He wears a red coat, and he has long black hair, and he has a gun, and uh, very pointy shoes. That's a big character detail for him always with the pointy shoes. Uh, and he is chilling in some, some town. I think it's actually, I think it's, it's called calm. It's the, like the first town you go to after Midgar in the original game. And he's, he's hanging out there for an unknown reason. Uh, it really gives us no context, but he's at some festival and out of nowhere, the ground splits open and a bunch of, soldiers pop out and start like grabbing people and throwing them in boxes uh and so that's really where the game drops us and from there you know uh vincent has to find out who these soldier people are where they came from 
They're a group called Deep Ground, and they're an extra super secret soldier program that Shinra, the evil corporation of the Final Fantasy VII world, uh, had been working on years ago, but they scrapped the project and sealed everything underground. Uh, and now that there is a uh, an elite group of super soldiers and an army of genetically modified regular soldiers that are trying to kidnap people to feed them to a giant monster that they want to awaken so that it'll uh, once again destroy the planet. That's the end goal. <laughs> it's the end goal for all the... They want to suck up the life force in the planet and and jet off into space. Uh, so really, in terms of narrative, they haven't moved past that framework from the other games. Mm -hmm. uh, because that is the goal of every villain in every iteration of Final Fantasy VII. I gotta to, get that fucking life force. I gotta suck up that life force. <laughs> yeah, I gotta suck up all this planet juice and, mm. and rocket myself across the universe. Apparently, that's just like the shit to do. So that's what all the cool kids are doing. Yeah. So uh, so there's this elite team of super soldiers called the Sviets, which uh, is Russian for... Uh, Sviet is the Russian word for color. They're called the colors. And it's because each of their members is named after a different color. And I don't just mean named in like the moniker sense, but like their name names are plays off of the colors. Okay. So there was, uh, what's it? I'm trying to remember the names. I remember them as uh, Fake Scarlet Witch, uh, Bear in the Big Blue House, <laughs> uh, BDSM Spider Guy, and Not Sephiroth. Uh, those, are the, those are the four uh, bosses in the game. Um, I think, okay, so I'm looking at it now. Their real names are Rosso the Crimson, uh, Azul. Yeah, Azul the yeah. Cerulean. So blue the blue. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did like that character design watching you play through it, though. I think he looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I do like it. Um, one of Tetsuya Nomura's strengths as a character designer is that he's really good at coming up with like anime villain teams and giving everybody their own look and uh yeah he he said before in interviews that he likes to design weapons first and then design the character around them mm -hmm. uh so you know he did it for the organization 13 villains in kingdom hearts and you know, he did it here uh so azul has like this giant uh axe mace thing that also turns into like a a machine gun cannon and uh, the red lady, Rosso, she has like uh, like some daggers. Uh, she has like dual wielding daggers that are leave like a red laser trail and she can shoot red lasers out of them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, uh, was it there? I can't remember the uh, the the black villain. The what was his name the BDSM guy. BDSM Spider. Yeah, BDSM Spider. And then the last boss, the not Sephiroth, uh, because he is a he is a he is a pretty boy with long silver hair who wields a, an oversized katana. 
but he's not Sephiroth. Uh, his name is Vice the Immaculate. Uh, anyway, these four characters plus a... Vice the Immaculate. Yeah. Uh, uh, is it Arachnero? That's Arachnero? the name of his boss form. Uh, okay. it, Nero. That was Nero. it. Yeah. Um, Nero the Sable. That was his name. And then Shelk? Yeah, Shelk didn't have a color association, and it turns out that that was thematic because the oh. other the other Sviet members betray her later because she's oh. not really one of them. Oh, shit. Yeah, Shelk is, um, she's like their hacker member, and she's like a, a woman in her early 20s, but she's... Uh, trapped in the body of a 14-year-old, like her body doesn't age, which is kind of yikes. Um, and she's the... Uh, Again, that's a point for a fan fiction right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and she uh, is the sister of, the, of a scientist character that helps Vincent out. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it turns out that the goal of this evil super team is to uh, uh, get a hold of Vincent Valentine, and he apparently has some kind of special materia locked inside of his soul that that contains the key to awakening (laughs) this monster. He's not a vampire, but he's got the secret vampire cool guy gene, which allows him to awaken... Uh, what, what's the what? What is he trying to do? Is uh, chaos? It's uh, chaos, so, right? So, uh, he has he has the chaos soul inside him, <laughs> uh, and that is the all? key to awaken the <laughs> Omega weapon. Oh boy! Uh, which is uh like part of the planet's life cycle, where when the planet is dead. The Omega weapon awakens and it sucks up the last of the life force and it and it shoots off into space to go seed another planet. Uh, And the evil uh, super team in this game is trying to fast track that process for reasons. Um, (laughs) uh, So anyway, that's the goal. Uh, As you can imagine, uh, they get a hold of chaos out of Vincent at some point. They awaken the weapon and Vincent has to fight it in a big laser battle, uh, where he turns into a demon with, um, an eye patch for some reason. And, uh, you win and the day is saved and Vincent just continues to exist somewhere. Mm. And so that was Dirge of Cerberus. The end. Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs> so, so yeah, this this game not not a uh, a new idea that they are bringing into the Final Fantasy world. It is basically uh, another another loop of the I want to destroy the planet. It's like. No, I'm the the special boy who will stop you from destroying the planet, and then he and then he do that, 
Yeah, well, that's why I I really think that this game was a pure vanity project for Tetsuya Nomura. Uh, and by the way, I want to clarify, he was not the director. I don't have the actual director of the game in front of me, but he was executive producer and character designer, and uh, he he wrote the script for the game, uh, but he was not the director, Tetsuya Nomura. Uh, but this was very much his vanity project, and it is very um it feels halfway thought through because it feels like his goal was just to get vincent valentine in a game that was on the market uh, mm-hmm. and everything surrounding that was incidental such as gameplay and proper writing and proper graphics for the game mm-hmm. uh because the game itself is uh First of all, from a gameplay perspective, very repetitive, as you probably gathered from watching all those hours of of me just walking down straight (laughs) hallways, shooting enemies that pop out of corners until they're gone, and then continuing on to the next area. And sometimes I fight a helicopter. Sometimes you fight several helicopters. Sometimes I fight 15 helicopters. (laughs) That boss fight was ridiculous. By the way, uh, uh, about I'm... that particular boss fight, the 15 helicopters one, I noticed after I finished shooting them all down with my handgun that they gave you like stationary machine guns that you're supposed to jump into to shoot them with. Oh, no. There was They were not highlighted in any way. It's like a master class <laughs> in bad level design, but I'm digressing. Go, go oh, on. Good. Yeah, I mean it. Uh, it does feel it. It feels un unpolished and with not a lot of direction other than just like I like these characters and that's that's fine. They are there are some cool cool characters in there and you get to see you know some old favorites return, which people like. Um, <laughs> I know, I know who that is. Yay! Yeah, I mean, all your it's favorites the cat. It's the it's the cat guy. Everybody loves the cat. The the cat guy. Hooray! Do they? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, watching you play through that, and for people listening to the podcast, um, I'm not sure how long Twitch leaves videos up, but on the GT uh, stream page, we. The Nate played through those, and so if you want to watch a long, slow game, you can do that. Uh, seemed like way too long of a game. It seemed like uh, they cut up like story beats in order to like pad out things a little bit more, which made it feel like the story didn't get to flow on its own. No, no, the story and, had horrible flow. Like there were some cool. There were a couple of cool um, level designs that were sort of interesting, but you know, graphically, the you know, it's an older game, and a lot of the levels are just really muddy looking, which makes it really hard to track where you're going. Yeah, uh, some some of the later levels looked better though. Um, Aesthetically, I don't actually have a lot 
uh, negative things to say about the game. Uh, you know, say what you want about the particular style with, you know, uh, the characters and everything. But I think the world is designed well. I like some of the character. I like most of the character designs, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... You know, aesthetically, the game was fine. It was the design of these levels, the gameplay of it, that was just, I don't know, lazy to me. I mean, some of them, like, I'm thinking of that level where you're, like, it was sort of early on, and you're in, like, a city block, and you go in between buildings, and there's these narrow, twisting pathways, and the dogs kept jumping out at you. That was a really inventive way to make this space feel a lot bigger than it than it actually is, because, you know, the video game can only load so much space at a time. And so having the pathways sort of fold over each other and be on top of each other also is a clever way to do that but visually it was so hard to track that stuff that it became uh, watching you you were very quickly frustrated i was frustrated on your behalf it was like it's like there's like these little nuggets of good ideas and then it's like they they didn't get the attention and polish that they really needed to to get to the fun that I'm looking for in a video game. The game was lacking in a, a fun and engaging gameplay <laughs> loop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because as I stated, the the gameplay loop is uh, you walk down a hallway. Sometimes enemies pop up in front of you. Sometimes they pop up behind you. Uh, and you have to shoot them with one of three very similar guns. Uh, you know... Uh, Oh, that is something we didn't talk about. Is there are some RPG elements? Yeah, yeah. Even I, though it is, there it is a framework of a good third-person shooter RPG in there. Yeah, it ends up being like way more. It, they, they they didn't feel like they were actually connected to me. It it felt like the uh, shopping and and buying upgrades and stuff felt tacked on. I don't know if it actually changed the way that you were playing, but watching you play, it's just like you, you pick the A gun and you shoot them, and then you pick the B gun to shoot the guys that are farther away. Yeah, so to give some context here, the the gear in, in Dirge of Cerberus, uh, the level up system is you play through chapters, and at the end, uh, you get a tally of experience points that you can either convert into stats uh, which is what I chose to do most of the time. Or you can convert it into money, which you can use to upgrade your guns and gear. Uh, you don't have any armor in the game. You just have your three different guns. You have a uh, uh, you have a handgun, you have the classic uh, Cerberus pistol, which is like a three-barreled revolver. It's very badass TM. Uh, <laughs> and you have a machine gun and a sniper rifle. And of those three guns, you can each give them the same, you can each upgrade them from the same pool of upgrades. So uh, each gun has a short, normal, and long barrel that changes the damage and accuracy. Uh, You can change, you can put like little trinkets on your gun. They give it different stat uh, boosts. Uh, gun charms yeah gun charms like i had one on my machine gun that let me move faster when it was equipped or on the handgun i had a charm that doubled the uh the level of the magic i was using uh currently which as it 
turns out was the only way to upgrade your magic damage was to attach this charm that boosted the level of your of your spell. Mm. Um and then uh you could yeah just do different combinations of those to try and edge your stats in a in a way that you preferred but really the only stat that mattered in the game was damage uh because the enemy ai is really bad they don't hit you most of the time uh or they hit you all of the time and it's super <laughs> annoying mhm um and so really the best strategy i found was to just uh, get as much damage onto my guns as possible and uh, outshoot them. Really, just try and shoot everybody before uh, they had a chance to shoot me. And that worked out just fine. Uh, I barely upgraded my health throughout that entire game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, there was one mechanic that I didn't find particularly great was um uh, you have a limit break uh option in the game you know a super when you a super mode that you can go into to help you in battle uh most games would include that as some kind of gauge that builds up uh over time and then you can activate it whenever uh mm -hmm. in dirge of cerberus it was just an item that you consumed and it turned you into your limit break mode that lasted about 45 seconds um and you turned into a monster that had a uh, super high damage melee attacks and you could shoot lasers out of your hands uh <laughs> with no aiming mechanism oh boy yeah so you kind of had to hope that uh they would stay that an enemy would stay directly in front of you as you fired lasers at them and that they didn't go up or to the sides at all. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, so for the limit break, oftentimes the only option if you wanted to do any kind of like meaningful damage to a boss was to just get up and do melee, uh, which worked out fine, to be honest. You do a lot of damage, um, mm -hmm. but... It's just kind of like swing blindly and hope that you stay alive to go back to normal <laughs> mode. Who boy. So, yeah. Uh, bad level design, bad level up system. Um, dialogue was not great in this game, which, you know, usually I won't hold against a, uh, a, a game that was written in Japanese and you know, went through translators and sometimes uh, nuance definitely gets lost in the translation. But mm -hmm. uh, I don't think the plot of this game was thick enough to cover up all of that, all of those mistakes this time. Yeah. Uh, it was a very bare bones plot of Vincent needs to go kill the monster and defeat these weird soldiers and then everything goes back to normal. And... I, w I mean, I'm looking at the um, the Wikipedia page and looking at the reception from when it came out mm -hmm. in 2006, I think is what I said, right? Yes. Uh, and so, like, it was very <laughs> medium response. Lots of uh, C, C minuses, 
basically. And uh, that's from a lot of <laughs> Square Enix had to buy those C's. Yeah. Yes. And I part of me wonders if they had like cut a whole bunch of stuff out of this and really tightened it up to just, you know, maybe like a third of the length that it ended up being and and have it just be like a shorter game. I think that would maybe have been a better game. Oh, I absolutely 100% but believe try, that. But trying to make this this little, basically this side story of a character and then having the plot basically just be the same thing again, but we're even like we're, we're not invested in this character as much as Cloud. Well, right? I, okay. and so I think that that comes back to Tetsuya Nomura's uh, lack of creative focus as a uh, as a creative director for a series. He is a great character designer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I like his artwork, and his artwork has evolved uh a lot since he was doing you know character designs for the playstation one but as a creative director for the compilation of final fantasy 7 he was unfocused uh didn't know what he wanted the series to be really other than you know the way he wanted it to look mm-hmm. uh and i think the story that exemplifies this fact is actually one that i read about in regards to his development on uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake, uh, but there is a story about how uh, halfway during development he burst into the Square Enix CEO room and and declared that Final Fantasy VII remake was going to be a musical because he had just watched Le Miserable, and so it like blew his mind, and so that's what he wanted the game to be, and that's how we got the dance uh, game segment. Of, okay, but of that is that is a highlight though. Well, we'll talk about that in another episode. <laughs> well, it just it's like he's very he's a creator that goes on his whims for better or for worse. Yeah, and that like as a creative element that is fantastic, but um on the the consumer ends, not necessarily like purchase consuming, but like w- watching and playing this this media. Um it, it's uh, it, it's a little questionable. It's I think it's interesting because it's not like Final Fantasy VII has like the deepest, greatest, most original story, right? It is it is a solid B story, but it it was what people really enjoyed in that moment, and I think a lot of the feelings of positivity towards Final Fantasy VII basically gave a blank check for making this game, which it ended up most people were not not into. <laughs> yeah, that's about the long and short of it. So, you know, uh, we're about 35 minutes in. I want to keep this uh, relatively short. So the last thing that I'd really like to get into about Dirge of Cerberus is... Uh, I just like to uh, maybe we can come up with some ideas together about what we would have done to improve this game. And I'm not talking about making a remake. I don't think this game needs a remake. Oh, no. Uh, In fact, I don't. Can we go farther than saying this game doesn't need a remake? I'm questionable about whether this game should have been made to begin with. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that said, yep. uh, I just like to go back and forth and maybe we can list some things that we would have done differently. So yeah. I will start and I will say that, yes, it was creative design for those buildings in the outside areas to to make it look like more space than it was. But I know what the PS2 could do in 2006 and they could have really opened up the area with which you can walk around as Vincent and and see the city. I don't think we needed hallways all the way through. I think we could have done one large Grand Theft Auto 3 like city block style and have it be free roaming. Mm. Keep the story tight in one area and build up that area to be interesting instead of uh, uh, a myriad of uninteresting hallways until the end. Yeah. That's for true. Um, I think that they should have let Vincent have uh, a little bit more depth as a character. He's like a cool guy. Yeah, I agree with that. But I want to, you know, I want to see some some sensitivity. I want to see uh, that he's he's made of multitudes. Well, okay, actually, we did touch on. That I want a him little. to have a blue cape instead <laughs> of a red cape. I want okay? him to have color options, accessorize. Yeah, when you defeat the color bosses, you should unlock that color set for your clothes. That is that is actually a great <laughs> idea, and I stand behind it 100%. <laughs> but back to what you said earlier, we did touch on his sensitivity a little bit. We didn't mention it before, but in the narrative, we did get some flashbacks of Vincent Valentine's past where we saw that he was uh, in love with a scientist who was in love with science and couldn't reciprocate his feelings. But then he got uh, he got almost murdered by uh, evil Professor Hojo, who she worked for, and that made her guilty. And she was the one that turned him into like a monster person. She put the Omega materia in, or the the chaos materia inside of him and turned him into a, a vampire light. Special boy. Yeah. So we did I get will a give little you the bit special. of Vincent loves. He is a lover and he has been loved, is what I'm saying. <laughs> but he's gone uh, through pain and now he lives in a box. Uh, a coffin around his heart. Uh, that's so deep. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I would... Um, uh, I would get rid of the other guns. I'd give him one gun, no upgrades, make it a pure action game. Mm. Mm. Uh, maybe you maybe you unlock different um, like gunslinging skills. Maybe like you can uh, maybe you you have an experience bar, but instead of stats, you uh, unlock like move sets. Uh, you know, like you can upgrade your gun to ricochet bullets or something like that. Yeah. And I know the PS2 can do it. Metal Gear Solid 3 did it. I can cite my sources. <laughs> I mean, I like, um, you know, getting rid of like picking different guns and what, what stuff you want to apply to them and just having like just the charm aspect, which would add like one effect. Mm -hmm. That'd be kind of cool. Um, okay, here's my here's my pitch. I think that uh, there should be a a sad three headed dog. An actual Cerberus. 
in the game at any point. I I got to tell you how disappointed I watched you play through that whole ass game. And there was <laughs> there's no three headed dog. We got a talking cat. <sighs> <laughs> I already know that little bastard though. Okay, yeah, no. Let's uh, let's go with a John Wick angle and give Vincent Valentine an actual oh. Cerberus puppy that follows him around. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, no, this game is going to be great. <laughs> okay, all right, here's my next change. I'd make his shoes longer and pointier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would have him be able to, like, go around and pierce things with them. Uh, and if you, like, I don't know, kick a pile of pumpkins, like, one gets stuck to the end of your shoe. <laughs> Okay, uh, my change. We're we're actually we're abandoning the gun completely. There's no the only action is uh, Vincent Vogues down the hallways, <laughs> and um, with the pointy, very long and pointy shoes, and um, everybody just gets out of his way because like that's dangerous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You got to watch out for the dust drops, you know. Yeah. Okay, uh, my last change would be. Uh, get rid of the Sviets altogether, and as long as we're rehashing plots, just uh, make the villain Sephiroth again, but then also <laughs> replace Vincent with Cloud. Uh, okay, my final change is that all of the characters should have the um, physically confusing outfit of the the scientist lady oh yeah her weird little mini skirt that was connected to a lower off kilter mini skirt it's, with belts. it's like it's like <laughs> this reminds me of a girl i knew in middle school who would like buy black you know t-shirts and tank tops and long sleeve shirts and just cut them apart and then reattach them with safety pins and was like this is fashion and i'm like that that is Dirge Cerberus. Huh? <laughs> oh man. Okay. Huh. My final my final question before we close out here. Uh-huh. Y- you you played through it. Uh-huh. You finished it this time. I did. How do you feel? Um, I feel like I've lost a part of myself. Uh in, it took about in... thirteen hours to play through this game and I feel 13 hours poorer <laughs> i was gonna say in like uh you've you've lost something important to yourself kind of way or like in a you've had your appendix removed kind of way um <laughs> yeah no it's like i've lost something that wasn't super important to begin with <laughs> <laughs> oh my god ah okay so uh I think that's about it for Dirge of Cerberus. Um, overall opinion of the game is low. Uh, there were things about it I enjoyed, honestly, more than I thought I would, but it was a low bar to cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah. Gameplay, story, all lackluster, but it was part of Final Fantasy VII. It's part of the universe, the... Uh, the Final Fantasy VII uh, gamified cinematic universe, <laughs> FF7G MCU. <laughs> uh, and, and now it's, it's under my belt. I've passed this notch 
and I can only look forward into this series. Uh, which next episode is going to be on the uh, other game that came out around the same time as this. I think it was 2007. Uh, it was on the PSP, and it was the prequel to Final Fantasy VII called Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core, uh, oh boy. where you play as the character of Zack Fair, uh, Cloud's dead best friend. <laughs> Oh, boy. So once uh, I give that a replay, or maybe I won't, maybe I'll just watch, uh, maybe I'll just uh, spark notes of this one. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh, that'll be the subject of the next episode. Uh, for now, I thank you, Link, for once again talking about this awful series with me. <laughs> and uh, thank you for playing this game and thank you to our listeners for joining us in this episode uh this has been deep impact part of the geek therapy network you can find our podcast and many other cool projects at geektherapy.com and our social media stuff will be in the show notes Thanks for joining us, and um, Dirge of Cerberus is not a great name. I just really what does disappointed. it even mean? What does it fucking mean? It makes no sense. A dirge is a slow, sad song played at funerals. But Cerberus, the only Cerberus in the game was his gun. His gun didn't die. No one cared. <sighs> like teardrops in the rain. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. Goodbye, everyone. I love you.